people. Welcome back to Anne World Peace. I am your host, Maggie Gelson Burnett. On today's episode, I'm having a little trouble containing my excitement for the fact that I got to even sit down and interview this person. It was the most sincere privilege and 17-year-old me is absolutely losing her shit over this. So I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna beat around the bush. I'm gonna get right to it. On today's episode, we have Mallory Hagen joining us. Uh, for the pageant people who are listening to this, you absolutely know who Mallory is. She is a former Miss America, Miss America 2013. And I want to just kind of insert a quick little personal note about Mallory, and um, and then I'll give you kind of her background, and we'll get into the episode. My personal note here is that I actually attended Miss America the year that Mallory won. I have had the privilege of of watching Miss America live twice in my life. I went in 2013. I was a senior in high school. I was about to go to school at the University of Alabama. It was January of 2013. I went to go watch uh, my friend Mariah compete. She was Miss Iowa at the time. And Mariah was fourth runner up to Miss America that year. And everybody at least from my standpoint, from, from my eyes, everybody knew who Mallory was. They did kind of a little thing that year. I can't remember exactly how, how it went, but it was sort of like a, a small little TV segment or something about the Miss America contestants. So they sent out a camera crew, camera crew to like, you know, basically go and give little glimpses into these state title holders lives. And I remember watching Mallory's. Uh, she was Miss New York and she was from Alabama though. And so I thought that was so cool because I was about to go to school at the university of Alabama, etc. So I remember seeing this TV segment about her and instantly I was, I was drawn to, to Mallory and, and really intrigued with her because she sort of had a, like a lower speaking voice like me. And so I remember thinking like, oh, there's someone like me who, you know, the stereotypical, kind of pageant girl voice is like this high and like really, you know, up here sort of sounding voice. And I would do that with my voice a lot, especially when I was younger, because I had no understanding of how uh, vocal training worked. And so seeing Mallory and hearing her speak, and I think especially when I was at Miss America, I attended all the prelims uh, when I was there. And, you know, hearing her speak about her platform and hearing her speak on stage was such a an amazing experience for somebody who was, you know, I was 17 at the time and I was trying to kind of figure out, you know, if I wanted to keep competing in pageants. Um, I had just been first runner up to Miss Iowa's Outstanding Teen. I had just aged out of the teen competition and I had actually just competed about a week prior in my first Miss level pageant. And I was, I think, third runner up to that. So I was still kind of trying to figure out like what, that looked like, you know, and, and especially going to Alabama and leaving Iowa and all of that. So anyway, I saw Mallory, I was just so enamored with her and watching her win Miss America was like one of the cooler experiences of my adult life. So, um, to interview her is an absolutely surreal experience. Truly. I I've been such a fan of hers for so long that being able to have this conversation just really 
means so much to me. So let's get into a little bit about Mallory. Described as a, quote, real-life bold type by Now This News, Mallory Hagan embodies the phrase. A Southern woman with New York grit, Mallory has traveled the nation bringing attention to countless issues facing Americans, from child sexual abuse to income inequality. Mallory's dedication to community led to a run for the U.S. House of Representatives in 2018, where she increased voter turnout and boosted faith in Alabama politics. Since then, Mallory has continued working on issues that matter. In 2020, she served as the Alabama Communications Director for the Bloomberg for President campaign, and in 2022, she ran for the Alabama State House District 25. Now she is a business consultant with Cisco and advocates for women in political spaces. Like I said, having Mallory on the show was just the most sincere privilege. I truly mean that. Mallory has such a gift in the way that she connects with people. I truly think that's probably her superpower. And I think it's why so many of us really fell in love with her as a Miss America, but then obviously continued to fall in love with her during her runs for office. I have truly no doubt that she will be, I don't know, like fucking president someday or go on to just do something so astronomically brilliant. So there's my love letter to Mallory Hagen (laughs) to start off the episode. But without further ado, let's welcome Mallory to the show. Mallory, thank you so much for joining me. I'm so excited to dive into things. But first, I want to ask you a question that I typically start with with guests because it's a great way to sort of not only let the audience know more about you like right up front, I feel like it just kind of gets right to the meat of things. So um, so I like to ask people about their own personal undoings and sort of their greatest one, if they don't mind sharing. And I recognize that for women, especially, there's sort of a constant state of undoing that we're in because we have to unlearn and undo all of these things that we were taught. You know, um, I met with a guest last week who said that, you know, the first half of your life is learning all of these things from society and the second half is unlearning all of them. And so I love that concept so much because I feel like a lot of my undoing was right after I was done with pageantry. So I would love to know about your your greatest undoing, if you will, and and how that led you to where you are now. Well, perhaps unlike other people, I am currently, I think, in the midst of my undoing. Sure. Um, as a young person, I always was achieving, which I know is something many of us have in common always the, you know, the captain of this or the dance captain of that and this, you know, the center of theater and all of these things. And that didn't stop when I became Miss America. It was exacerbated. And then I ran, you know, well, actually I was on, on the news. So again, and then I ran for office and then I ran for office again. And I think I'm in this phase of life where I have a partner who leads very well. And um, I'm now a mom very suddenly and so, um, yeah, I'm in this phase of life right now where I'm unlearning a lot of the the things I think I thought about myself and perhaps some of the untruths that others might have placed on me. And um, it's a really beautiful thing. It's very healing to be in this space. But I'm also in therapy and just trying to work through some of the traumas that I've experienced along the way. And um, I feel very happy and at peace, but definitely still working through 
you know, who am I really without all of these titles and achievements? Yeah. Mm, yeah, absolutely. I think that's something that a lot of women who are immersed in the pageantry space, and I can't even imagine from your perspective, because it's on a whole other level when you are Miss America, I'm sure. Um, I think that's a, a, a sentiment we all kind of share is that we have this title, and then suddenly you don't. And then, and then who are you? Um, mm -hmm. I refer back to a conversation I had with, uh, after I was first runner up to Miss Iowa, I became a barista for like nine months. And uh, it was a very fun time. And I had a great boss who, you know, he had known me since I was like 16. So I went in for like a quote interview. That's a very loose term I'm using here. And we sat down and he was like, well, if you're not, you know, Miss Iowa and you're not um, a health coach anymore and you're not doing all of these things that you've done for many years of your life, then who are you? And I referenced that conversation a lot on this podcast because it was such a jarring question for me to receive, you know, at a time that was super pivotal, uh, I think in my like early, you know, early adulthood. So, um, so yeah, I think that sentiment is, is very much a shared one. So let's dive into the very obvious, glaringly obvious fact here is that you are a former Miss America. And, um, I actually was in, uh, let's see, 11 years ago, around ish, I was in Vegas when you won Miss America. So tell me about your experience kind of leading up to that point. You know, you spent, I, I believe, many years in pageantry, right? Leading up to Miss America. Tell me about, you know, what that what that provided you, but also maybe some of the unlearnings from that that you're you're maybe currently in. Sure. So I, uh, I grew up in a dance studio. My mom owns a dance studio. My grandmother owned a dance studio. My aunt is a dance educator and my mom and grandmother in some way or another were involved in the Miss America program through doing choreography for locals and things of that nature. So while some people say they stumbled into this world or they never thought that they would be a part of this world, it just was a natural progression based on my family history and their support of this program over the years. And Alabama was the very first pro uh, state program to adopt the teen competition. And I was just of age and it was another avenue for me to display my talent, which is what I really cared about. I uh, got bit by the bug. I was third runner up my first try. And uh, from there, I competed several other times, both in Alabama. And then I moved to New York City when I was 19 and continued competing in order to earn scholarship money. And I would say that there's a lot I learned that's been really helpful in life. Um, you know, you learn how to communicate, you learn your deepest, darkest most complex thoughts and you learn how to express them and you learn how to stand up for what you believe in. Um, but I was coming through the Miss America organization at a time when you were supposed to learn all of those things and then absolutely do not ever um, deploy them. So figure out how to say what you think, but never actually say what you think. <laughs> um, stand up for things you believe in, but don't stand up for yourself. Uh, things like that. And so I would say that the the best gift that I was given through the program is certainly the people that I've met and the women that I am still friends with today, the thousands of volunteers across the country who make it happen. 
and certainly the scholarship money, can't forget that part. Um, but I, I'm still unlearning some of the things we're conditioned to believe about ourselves and about the way women are supposed to operate in society. You know, I'm 35 years old and in my day-to-day -day life, I cuss like a sailor, but I find myself thinking if I say this online or I say this on TikTok or I say this in an interview, how will that be perceived? And is that Miss America like, even though I haven't been Miss America for a decade? Yeah. Um, so really I'm learning some of the societal expectations of roles like that and women in those roles and trying to delicately, you know, move around them, if you will. Um, and certainly the conversation around our bodies and what they're worth and how they look, all of that was just a clusterfuck of stuff for us uh, at that time frame, And it still is. A decade later, it is still a conversation. I literally just measured my waist 30 minutes ago. So like, yeah. <laughs> we're still dealing with these things and unlearning so many of them and trying to come to terms with how to do that in a way that's healthy. Yeah, totally. Mm. Yeah, that's, it's such a, a great point that you bring up about, like, especially the body stuff, because I feel like, God, I, you know, I think you alluded to this on TikTok the other day too, about like, you know, sort of imposter syndrome and how the highest achieving women still have it, you know, and, and how that's probably super uncommon for our male counterparts and, and if it exists at all. And I think a big part of that is, is like the body stuff. You know, I, I just interviewed a, a woman who, um, who identifies as living in a fat body and she, you know, speaks so eloquently to that conversation and like what the conversation around women's bodies is and how we can all kind of play a role in sort of dismantling all of the things that society has taught us to believe about our bodies, but especially like pageantry, because you're putting your body on such a display, right? Like all the time you're, you know, prancing around in a swimsuit on stage. So it's a very public display of like, here's my body, go ahead and judge it. And, you know, it's, it's something where like, I think we all kind of get programmed to think that we can judge other women's bodies. Um, if we were like involved in the system and we can't, and that's or not... the people or the people who are involved in the system who've never done any of the things yeah. that, done <laughs> that also feel like they can judge women's bodies. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. They're the best ones. I'm like, yeah, you get They're my favorites. So anyway, yeah, I just think that's a really important dialogue to have. Um, so you were sort of involved with Miss America at a time where, well, shortly after, I'll say, there was sort of a, a dismantling that happened within Miss America. Um, and you were what I'll refer to as kind of the whistleblower behind it. So talk about that experience. And maybe for people who don't know, who are unfamiliar with like who Sam Haskell is and, and all of that, um, I would love to know just like how that experience maybe allowed you to move through some of the things that were done to you during your years, Miss America, if you're open to speaking about it, of course. Sure. I think, um, well, for those who may not know, the Miss America organization was uh, ran by a man and uh, a board of directors at the time who just had some really misogynistic views. It was a very patriarchal organization, which is yeah. hilarious because it was supposed to be about women's empowerment. 
And um, there were, you know, there was evidence that they had been speaking negatively about women in the organization, myself included, and um, it had been going on for quite some time. And I was aware of it for the four years post my year as Miss America. So from 2013 to 2017. And, you know, really felt like at a, at an age where I already was struggling with life, I was, that's 24 to 27, um, figuring out, you know, what am I supposed to do next? You mentioned you have the title and now you don't, all of that is already complex and difficult to manage at that age. But to then have this man who's 30 years older than you sort of trying to ostracize you, harass you really, and work behind the scenes to dismantle elements of your life, um, that was a lot to take in. And so uh, there was an opportunity to work with a couple of other folks behind the scenes in the Miss America organization and bring to light some of the things that he and others had done. And so we did that. And, um, you know, it was really difficult to do first and foremost, because I am from a small town in Alabama. My family has no money. You know, all I could think was, am I going to be sued? Is he going to come after me financially? You know, all of these things. And um, he was a very powerful person, or so I thought, in Hollywood. Come to find out, I don't think that there was that much power. I think it was a ruse, but I digress. Um, And I would say the thing that that taught me, though, about myself and about other people is it is possible to stand up for yourself in a big way, and it's possible for it to turn out all right. And um, really, all I wanted was for him to leave me alone and for leave for him to leave others alone that he had, you know, sort of been not not being kind to. I'll put it that way. And uh, and he did. And it's over. So, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, I, I remember like watching that all kind of happen and. And I think, you know, I, I, you know, for better or for worse, I've had sort of this, um, I don't know, vendetta is a strong word, but a, a sort of strong uh, distaste for men that are heavily involved in the pageant space, because I have a hard time like uh, reconciling that in my brain, like how, how do you understand what this is, you know, really like, and and maybe that's not entirely fair, but whatever. Um, but I remember especially like when that all went down, feeling like, you know, it's almost when somebody beats out a bully. Like, you know, it's like when Joe Biden won the election. I was like, yes, like, you know, so excited. Yeah. Sam Haskell was finally out of there. So, um, so. But, but to be fair, it doesn't free you from chaos. And I think any of us who have followed the organization and, and I've done my part in trying to help and maybe that wasn't helpful and you know same thing Biden didn't free us from chaos he just bought us some time so you know I I I feel like it was celebratory for a moment and then all hell broke loose and that has reared different ugly heads that that maybe we didn't know were even present before Yeah. No, I mean, I think that what you did is incredibly admirable. And I know that there are so many people who appreciate it and, you know, um, really credit you and, and, you know, a couple others, especially in the, in the organization for changing it and for making it a more suitable place and, you know, a place that we could withstand, you know, and, and stand to be in. So, so kudos to you, but kind of switching gears. I want to talk about how this has all kind of like, you know, you had this experience as Miss America, then you were on TV and then you ran 
for a House seat in the state of Alabama as a Democrat. So <laughs> I want to really double down on that. So I worked for the Iowa Really, Democrat. what you should have said is, you're a masochist. <laughs> What's wrong with you? <laughs> Are you okay? <laughs> and the answer to that would be... <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> Um, but I would just love to know about that journey. I, I worked for the Iowa democratic party and it was like, I don't know if it was the year that it wasn't the year that you ran, but, um, it was during a primary year. And, um, and I, I fell in love with politics during that time. And I think that a lot of pageant women do because we are forced to talk about it in, in a lot of capacities. So I would love to know just kind of that journey of like how you decided like, yep. I'm going to do this and I'm going to do it in the state of Alabama. Like this is, this is my plan. Well, <laughs> in this, in the conversation about undoing, unraveling, um, I think I used to operate far more from the gut than I do now. And, and that served me well. So I'm, I'm in therapy talking about being thankful to her, the younger version of me who had the cojones to go out and like take life by the throat. So I'm proud of myself for doing it, but I, I was working as a news anchor and when all of this stuff about the Miss America organization blew up. And I think my ability to, to my, to the best of my ability, be poised in the conversations about what was happening, caught the eye of my local democratic party. And they reached out to me and were kind of like, whoa, if you've been dealing with all of this, you've handled this national press, you've taken on this middle-aged Southern white man, what do you think about running for Congress? It'll be the same thing, just <laughs> in <laughs> politics. And um, initially I said no, like many women do. I said no for, for several weeks as those conversations continued to develop, ma mainly because I felt the imposter syndrome of education. I have gone to a lot of school and I have an associate's degree I actually have gone to enough school to have a bachelor's degree, but I don't have one. Okay. And I, it took me a long time to come to grips with that. Mm -hmm. And that was the thing that was keeping me from running the first time. I was like, they're going to rip me to shreds and say that I'm an idiot. And I'll have to be three times as articulate for people to even take me seriously, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. um, and so like many women, I was really questioning my ability and my intelligence all of those things. Um, but it is truly the best decision I ever made. I too fell in love with politics and particularly the ways that the Demo Democratic Party operates. There's a lot that goes on in Southern politics behind the scenes that I was like, whoa, this is wild. Um, and from there, again, I got bit by the bug and I really wanted to do it again. And so I sort of worked with some people within the party to figure out what would be the best next step in order to make the most of the experience and do what was best for our state. And then I ran for a state house seat, um, hoping to to flip that seat. And we were not successful, but we we did a good job. I'm proud of us. Yeah, absolutely. Watching your journey with with all of that was was amazing. And it's I think it really you know, that you have, you have a lot of admirers, like, you know, in, in the pageant world and, um, and outside of it too. But I think for a lot of Listen, women, instead of me paying for therapy every week, could we just do this? And then maybe I won't have so much imposter syndrome. <laughs> 
Of course. I'll just, I'll just call you once a week and you can be like, you're a badass. You got it. Keep going. Literally <laughs> anytime. Like, say less. <laughs> I got you. I'll send you voice memos, you know. <laughs> but but seriously, you know, like you have so many admirers and I feel like, you know, for, for me personally, I can't speak to other people, but like, I, I felt very, very connected to you when you won Miss America, because I was like, oh, she's a lot like me. Like she, you were the first one I had, I had really seen that. Well, first of all, um, had like a deeper speaking voice. I know that's so random, but like, that was a big thing for me at the time because I was, um, very much like self-conscious about that in, in myself. And, um, and so that, that was so silly. Someone somewhere in an interview probably yeah. said a mock interview, your voice is a little bit deep. And then that yeah. stuck with you for forever. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Was outstanding teen, they were like, you sound too much like a miss contestant. So you don't sound enough like a teen contestant. And that's like the, you know, like, what am I supposed to do? Change yeah, that's voice. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, I can't really do that. So. Yeah. <laughs> but that like, was, was that piece of it? And you spoke so eloquently about like your beliefs and and we have very similar beliefs. And I, so I remember like, you know, watching Miss America that year was such a like transformative experience for me um, because not only did I get to see like Mariah and, you know, people who I really admired, um, but, you know, watching you in was just amazing. So, um, so yeah, you do have a lot of admirers like in and out, inside of the pageant space and outside and doing something like that. Yeah. A, it takes balls. Like that is a ballsy thing to do. And I think watching that progression was so cool because we all looked and said, oh, like we don't have to just be the work we did in pageants. We can be, we can do a lot more than that. And I think that's so important to have, you know, sort of those outside things that we participate in, in those communities we're active in that aren't just surrounded around pageantry and don't just sort of pigeonhole us into being just a former Miss America or just a former, you know, whatever, because you're so much more than that. You're, you know, such a, you know, well-rounded person. So it's, yeah, it's, it's such a, a gift and a, and a cool thing to watch from, you know, an outside outsider's perspective. So let's talk about this imposter syndrome though, because like, this is something that when I saw your TikTok the other day, I was like, oh, I have to ask her about this. <laughs> so, so Talk more about that and like how that has impacted you since you've left pageants. Like that's a, a very real thing that I think women always experience inside of the pageant space is like, am I good enough? Am I, you know, and you could have gone to Harvard and like done all of the things and you're still going to be like, is this enough? Am I, you know, am I achieving enough? How has that presented in your life outside of pageantry? And how have you, is there anything that you've done to learn to cope with that? Well, I, I mean, for me, it presents itself every day. And I think a lot of it is self-inflicted, even if the things that I've done are admirable. And I do have people who look up to me from afar. The truth of the matter is I was on a path to be a journalist and I wanted to be a news anchor and a TV host. And I got sort of pulled away to run for office. And so, you know, that's two years on a resume. And then I've completely flipped the script to two more years in an opposite direction. And then, you know, just sort of this pitter pattering between things as they present themselves, because I also really enjoy trying new things. And, you know, if it seems exciting to be the communications director in Alabama for a presidential campaign, by God, I'm going to do it. Yeah. 
that means that I sort of have this varied background of experiences. And I find that while I do have a career in this very moment, it's not the one that I feel called to do. And so, you know, my mind is going, what should I be doing? And what, what is my purpose here? And why am I here? And I always have thought if being Miss America is the greatest thing I ever accomplished, just kill me now. Like (laughs) that cannot be the greatest thing I ever do. That's not what I'm here for. Yeah. I think that little voice is always in the back of my mind. Like that can't be the propeller forever. And it's gotten me in some really great doors this past decade. And I'm very thankful for that. But I'm 35. I can't lead with I was Miss America, right? There has to be something else. And so it presents itself every day as I consider what is my next step and how do I get there with such a varied background that doesn't really point me in any clear direction. Yeah, totally. A really fun headspace to be in. Listen, I, I do want to tell you, you're not alone in that headspace. I, I very much so do a similar thing. And it's, it's like, um, I'll sit here and I, you know, I'll have, you know, done the coolest thing in my, you know, in my company and, you know, like, or have achieved this insane number or whatever. And it's like, but if you're not in the space that you like, that, you know, you're not called to, or, you know, that it's not your, you know, you're not really passionate about it or whatever. It's, um, it's what I refer to as like, uh, it's called bore out. So like, instead of burnout, it's, you're so bored that you become burnt out. And, uh, and I'm definitely in a bore out right now. So like, I, I totally empathize with like the kind of every day, just being like, what's the meaning of all of this? And why are we here? Why am I here? (laughs) What is the point of all of this on the giant floating rock? What are we doing? And you know, but yeah, I'll get up at seven and blow dry my hair for this meeting that starts at 830. Can't wait. I totally relate. Like, so- I also, I also do think though, that so much of that is the type of women that are drawn to these competitions. It's very high achieving. It's goal setting. And, you know, some, some corporate jobs or, or day jobs that you don't have that feeling of like, I'm gonna do this. Yeah, totally. And, um, it's kind of, it's probably not healthy. It's some sort of chasing a high. Like, I, I I can't imagine that it's not. Yeah. But so many things don't provide that. And maybe that's why why campaigns and politics do that, because you sort of have this ramp up to a date and then you get yep. to like go, okay, well, we didn't win this time. Do it again. Yep. Exactly. Like a pageant. Yeah, totally. I was just going to ask like what, you know, if there were parallels you sort of saw yourself getting into when you ran for office that that sort of emulated your journey to becoming Miss America if absolutely. There was yeah absolutely um well I mean the glaring parallels are that people have thoughts about what you should wear and how short your hair should be and whether or not you should wear heels or flats or tennis shoes or should you roll your sleeves up or leave them down I mean the ridiculous conversations I had about clothing you have to be approachable but you have to look like you make money, like, I mean, just crazy. Yeah. Um, so those were, were definite parallels. And then the honing of your messaging and figuring out what your pillars are and talking points and how to get that out to people and all of the media. I mean, all of that was a direct, thank God for Miss America. I was able to sort of just hit and run. Um, but it also creates all of the same doubts and self-evaluation that you have in competing every single day you're wondering if you said the wrong thing you know you said something wrong now you got to fix it you know 
all of those things happen too. So there were quite a few parallels in addition to there's a date that you either win or you don't. <laughs> and then you, yeah. then you're like, okay, now what? And it's based on other people. <laughs> and you've spent a shit ton of money. <laughs> Except for in politics, it's usually other people's money. So yeah. there's like this immense guilt that comes with that because you feel like people invested in me and they cared about me. I mean, I guess that happens in pageants too, right? You have wow. sponsors and your family, but yeah, absolutely. So many parallels and yeah. feelings that are similar. Mm, yeah. You know, speaking of parallels, I, um, so you are getting married and I only kind of laugh when I say that because you will probably be far different than I was around your wedding. Um, I draw a lot of parallels from my wedding to my time in pageantry. Um, I feel like you know, if I could do it over again, I would probably elope and like, you know, go somewhere and just have 10 people there or whatever. But it was beautiful and lovely and all the things. And it also made me kind of crazy and sort of a, a nightmare to be around um, and made me super anxious and all the things. And I cared what everybody thought of me. And I was hyper fixated on my appearance and all the things. And so I'm curious to know if you sort of see any of those coming up for you as you're planning this wedding or, you know, if that's sort of something that you've maybe, maybe outgrown to an extent or, or, you know, maybe we never grow out of it. I don't know, but I, I would be curious to know if that's presented at all for you in this journey of, of getting married. You know, it hasn't so far, but Good. we are three months out. <laughs> um, but I do, I do feel like there are some, par there are some things starting to rear. For instance, I mentioned, I measured my waist. It's because my dress came in and um, luckily it was too big. Thank goodness. But you know, I'm starting to go, okay, what do I want to look like? And yeah. whether that's healthy or not, that's what's happening. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, I, I'm thinking about the the planning, all the stuff, the little things that you have to do. And it's very much like a pageant in that. When am I getting my spray tan? And what, who's coming here when? And all the scheduling and all of that. Um, but so far, I've, I've really enjoyed it. We've been pretty chill. Um, we, we are sad about the amount of money that we're spending, but we're happy that it's in a way that we're going to celebrate our, our vows and each other and our families. So... Um, I'm looking forward to it. And I think so far I'm in a healthy place. Good, good. <laughs> yeah. Check back with me on like April 15th <laughs> and we can review if that's still the case. Totally. So far, I don't think anyone in my family would call me a bridezilla just yet. Excellent. That's great. That's a, that's a good thing. Yeah. I, I spoke with another girl who came on the podcast who, gosh, now I'm blanking on, I think she, she competed in Kansas, I think. And, um, she recently got married as well. And, and we were just kind of chit chatting about how similar we felt, you know, like on our wedding days about, um, you know, just the parallels. And I said to her, I, you know, I was like, I feel like my wedding was not the best day of my life. And I feel very, you know, very confident in saying that because, you know, similar to your sentiment about Miss America, like if, if Miss America was the greatest thing that ever happened to me, then like, What's the point of the rest of it? What's the point of the rest of it? Yeah. That is how I felt about my wedding was like, if that was my peak, like my ultimate peak at 27, you know, like that was where I, it's all downhill from here, you know, then I feel like that fucking sucks. Like, yeah. 
like, yeah, like well then what, okay so we should have just stopped there and do it. <laughs> yeah no I, I I can see that I mean I have a lot of friends who say it was a really great day and I'm so glad I got I'm so glad I experienced it yeah. but no there have been many great days since then and it was kind of stressful and they also wished they had just gone to the beach and left <laughs> exactly. um, so TBD on my end for yeah, sure totally that's amazing so I, I want to also double down on this that you made a TikTok the other day where you talked about your fiance and uh, you were talking about how you're in a super, you know, healthy relationship with him and, you know, um, sort of all of the hoops you maybe had to jump through to get to him. So I would love to know maybe how like, you know, it doesn't have to really correlate with like your time in pageantry or anything, but you know, if pageantry made that more difficult for you, or if like, you know, you feel like this was just sort of a, a, like a right place, right time kind of thing. Or like, I would just love to know about the journey to, to finding your person and like what that looked like for you. Well, I think it's really hard to find a partner if you don't know who you are really. And I think I was under the illusion having gone through the rigorous path that you go through to get to Miss America, that I knew who I was and what I wanted it took me a long time to realize how absolutely unhinged I was inside as a human. <laughs> um, and, and honestly, there was a lot of hurt and I've experienced a lot of trauma that I don't really talk about. And, and, you know, so I really needed to heal and, or continue healing with someone. And so, you know, my twenties were kind of just a shit show of me being really sad and hurt hurt and not knowing how to channel that stuff. So that's not a place to really date by any stretch, not in a healthy way anyway. Um, and yeah, I've, I, you know, moving here to Huntsville where I live now, I went on a string of pretty terrible dates, but he just popped up out of nowhere on Bumble. Mm -hmm. And I was like, mm, all right. And then he said he was moving. So maybe that's also unhealthy that I was like, sure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> let's do the long distance thing you're close but not too close um but yeah it's it's been really it's been really wonderful to be my complete and whole self with another human and go through this journey of healing and growing together knowing that it's a safe space to do that and I'm really grateful for that and I'm excited that I get to do it for the rest of my life it's amazing that's so awesome I think you said in that video about how like um you feel really calm, like when you're with him and and that hadn't been the case prior. And I, I like so deeply resonated with that because I feel like if you, you get so used to chaos when, um, and to an extent, I feel this about my experience in pageantry. It was like, you know, that chasing of highs, like, so it was just kind of this over, um, repetitiveness of like putting my nervous system into a total state of fight or flight, like all the time. <laughs> so anytime that I was, calm or like relaxed with my partner, I was like, uh, like something kind of goes in or initially in my brain was like, oh shit, like this is not good. Like I better get you out bored. of bored. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like you pick yeah. fights because you're bored and you're like, yeah. like, like, why aren't you being mean to me or yeah. causing, causing more chaos? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. For sure. So yeah, I totally, uh, totally related to that. So I guess I'm curious to know just like also selfishly, just because I'm curious. Um, you said you're kind of like in the middle of this undoing right now. And I'm curious if 
there have been any signs as to maybe what the next thing might be for you or, you know, things that you maybe still want to explore in this lifetime outside of, you know, the fact that you've accomplished so much already before the age of 40. So I would just love to know sort of what you're, what you're thinking about as you are in the midst of this, this season. Well, I do think at this point, becoming a mom, Kevin has a six and an eight year old, and that's been a huge shift in my life over the last couple of years that I love tremendously. Um, but we are also interested in, in having maybe another child. So focusing on that. And I think for many people, and maybe it's me, motherhood could be the most tremendous thing you do. And I think that that would be incredible if that's for me, what ends up happening. But one thing I'm learning a little bit with my therapist, coach, and and some other folks is um, my human design is that I'm a projector. And I think I find myself working in sort of these worker bee roles where I'm always the one that's willing to take on the task and do, do, do. I'm happy to write the press release and do the this and do the that. And that my strength is actually not in those things, which could be one reason why I have such imposter syndrome. I've put myself in jobs and positions that don't allow me to be visionary. Mm. But I'm I'm always um, showcasing my work ethic, but it's not in a way that's really visionary to say that word again. And so I think now as I pursue opportunities and think about what I might want to do next professionally or what types of roles I should be in, I'm realizing that I'm actually much, I'm a much better um, manager of people and I have the ability to sort of see the full picture. That's sort of why you call folks like me a projector. You have the vision, you have the ability to see the whole picture and to help people along the way, how to navigate to get there. So I don't know really what's next, but I'm trying to listen more to the strengths that I have and put myself in positions that allow me to use them so that I don't feel this way in the future. Like, what am I doing in this role? I shouldn't be here. Um, So I'd love to, you know, I think I'm well-equipped to be an executive director of a nonprofit and to really see all the moving parts. And I know that I want to work in things that, you know, I'm passionate about or mission-driven organizations. I'm, I'm just not quite cut out for the the corporate nine to five, I don't think. <laughs> oh, do I relate? Not, I am not a corporate Aaron. <laughs> we will not be circling back. Oh my God. My last guest just talked about corporate Aaron. Uh, oh, really? <laughs> yeah. And I, I love that we all share such a sentiment of like, most people that I, I interview are like, I, I fucking hate the corporate world. And I'm like, same. So I love that. Um, so fascinating that your human design is a projector. I am really in my human design era right now. Are you really? Yeah. I'm what I'm, are you? I'm a generator. So yeah, which um I think makes a lot of sense because generators make a lot of decisions. It's all it's either a hell yes or a hell no. It's like there is no real in between. And I, I do kind of feel like everything professionally in the last few years has been 
a hell no, but I've said yes anyway. So, so I well, too I mean, in the same position. <laughs> listen, we're we're of we're of this generation that we want to love what we do, and I think you know we're still in that like. But you have to just do what you got to do. Also, yeah, you have totally. to pay bills and you have to pay for things. Yeah. Um, so it's a little bit of an interesting place to be in as millennials. Yeah, millennials totally. on the cusp. I'm not sure what you're. <laughs> cusp is but um <laughs> yeah it, it feels very like I want to do something I love and I want to wake up with purpose every day I do not want my alarm to go off and for me to dread my life like this shit yeah. is way too short and yeah. also way too long it's yeah, way too long totally. yeah absolutely yeah. yeah my my dad um I talk about my dad as this as it relates to this a lot because he's arguably my biggest source of inspiration as it relates to like career path. Um, my dad worked in radio for like 25 or 30 years and, um, and was super unexpectedly let go by this big radio conglomerate. Um, I think it was during the recession actually. So, um, you know, he had my, I'm the baby of five children. So like, you know, has, a child getting ready to go to college at the time still had me at home. And, uh, my dad decided to start his voiceover business. So my dad is a voice actor full-time and has been since he was 50. And, uh, and he always says to people like, or one thing he always said to me when I was growing up was that he didn't know what he wanted to do till he was 50. And I, I love that so much because it's like, it, it really, relays the sentiment of like, it's never too late to do what you want to do. And so I kind of, I have to really play that message on a loop in my head a lot because I have to be like, you're not even 30 yet. Like you have to leave some shit for the rest of your life, like to do, like, you can't just accomplish everything before 30 as if your life ends at 30. Like that is just insane, you know? And I think a lot of, uh, high achieving women, think that way, you know, or think that, you know, maybe the next decade is when it all ends or something like that. So yeah. If you, have you listened to not to plug another podcast, but oh, no. plug have away, you listened please. to wiser than me? No. Lewis okay. That has been that I listened to every episode this last year and in conjunction with all the other things I've discussed, it has been truly eye-opening and fascinating. It's women who are in their 70s, 80s, women we know, women who maybe have had these illustrious careers that we don't really know because they were behind the scenes, but everyone from Jane Fonda to Diane von Furstenberg, you name it, all of these women who basically say, oh my God, I had no idea. I had no idea what I was doing when I was 30, 35, 40, 45. Yeah. They're like, I didn't get it together till I was 60 or whatever. And so I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. All right, all right. We can, we, we, can keep, we can keep, you know, bouncing around <laughs> till we get there. It'll be all right. Yeah, totally. Oh, I think that's a great message. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I'll have to listen to that podcast because, yeah, I mean, I feel like we all think that we're like running out of time or like that there's this ticking time bomb of like, you know, yeah. something that's going to prevent us from living the life that we want. And so the only uh, thing I'm currently running out of time on is like, I need to figure out whatever the career path is that's going to make me enough money to have like, I don't know, a house in the south of France. Like that's where <laughs> I'm at. I'm like I want to get away spot and I need to have enough time and make enough money to actually be able to 
get away. So right. I just want a Hamptons house. I'm not just asking for a lot here. <laughs> want to live my coastal grandma life. <laughs> exactly. My Nancy Myers film. I love that. So as you kind of look to this next chapter, I'm also curious too, as it relates to your, you know, participation in pageantry, like, do you still feel called to volunteer with Miss America or with a local pageant or with helping people as a coach? Like, tell me about where you're at in terms of that. I genuinely believe that the skill set I learned by participating or through participating with the Miss America organization is something that I would not have gotten anywhere else. And I still think that there is tremendous value in the journey mm -hmm. through competing, whether it's Miss America or something like it. But I, I think there's tremendous value in figuring out who you are and why you think the things you think and how to articulate those things and how to use those things to achieve whatever goals you may have. So I do still work with um, some people who are competing and I love those hours that I spend because even though I, I have off and on coached in some capacity over the last 10 years, it's through a different lens now that I'm older and I have more life experience and I see so much of myself in young people who are still competing or hoping to achieve this dream of being Miss America. And being able to focus in on the things that will really help them, understanding how to advocate for your social impact with lawmakers, understanding how lawmakers operate, um, understanding how to build partnerships that are going to be fruitful for you for life, not just for this competition. Those are the things uh, that I really enjoy doing still and the wisdom that I continue to hopefully give to the folks who are competing. Um, I don't really feel called to to help or volunteer in any official capacity at this moment. Um, but there are some locals that I really enjoy being a part of every year, like Miss Danville in Kentucky. I go every year. I host every year. You know, there, there are those little communities of the pockets of people around the country that I love. And I'll keep doing that as long as they keep asking because I believe in what they're trying to do. Yeah. Oh, I love it. That's great. Yeah, it's, it's, I've had my own kind of like complex and complicated, you know, relationship with the system and, you know, being out of it five plus years now, like, I think um, I've learned to see it for, I, I related a lot to like looking back on my hometown, like my hometown is a very small place in Eastern Iowa. And for the longest time, I was like, man, like, fuck that place. Like, man, you know, like I was such a like curmudgeon about my hometown. And now I'm like, you know, seeing it for what, what it is and, and seeing it in all it's good and all it's bad. And, and it gave me a lot of great things. And it also was really difficult. So I, I feel very much the same that I'm, I'm, you know, trying to kind of figure out like what I want to do in terms of like helping. And, and if that's still, if, there is a place for me there, but there is something really special about the community aspect of the people who are involved. And I think that's why so many people continue to volunteer and continue to participate in the first place. So um, yeah, I totally resonate with that. Okay. Let's get into the world war or world peace section. So for those listening who do not understand or know what this section is of the show, it basically is where I ask the person that I'm interviewing about topics that will hopefully pertain to them or just things I'm curious about. 
their opinion on. And you basically tell me if you are, if you love it, world peace, great. If you hate it, world war. Yeah. Doing the right. thing. It's a hot or not, but world yes. peace. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Hot or not, except pageantry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. So the first one I have for you. So Miss America brought back, I don't know if they got rid of it and then brought it back the lifestyle and fitness portion. Okay. And Okay, they wear the the two-piece like outfits now, right? Okay. What are the vibes? What do we think? I mean, world war. Like, what's the point? If we're gonna do that, just wear a swimsuit. And I have expressed on every avenue possible that I think it's absolutely unnecessary. You have a young woman, Grace, who was a nuclear engineer. Literally. Like, like I just I don't understand it. But <laughs> Teach their own, and I'm yeah. not doing it anymore. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> I I will tell anybody who, who will listen that I think I almost think that the um the like two-piece outfits, that whole thing, like they're like sparkly and they kind of look like cheerleader outfits. And I'm sort of like, I almost feel like that's worse. Like, cause at least when we're putting somebody in a swimsuit, it's like at least we think they're like old enough to like wear a swimsuit on stage, <laughs> but it's like, you know, these two piece outfits, some sort Amplizing of or something. Yeah. yeah. Like, now you're a teeny bopper. Yeah. It's bizarre. It's so bizarre. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Glad we're in alignment on that one. That will always be a world war within this world of people. So yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, I would love to know your thoughts on as somebody who has participated literally directly within this system, the two-party system, what do we think? Like, such a loaded question, I am sure. <laughs> but I have to know your thoughts. We need a whole other podcast. <laughs> um, also, Part World War. <laughs> World War, but I will highly encourage people in this election cycle to not be those people. You yes. cannot dismantle a system until you control it. And we are not there. Yes. So, do not do this whole vote for whoever just to stick it to the man. You're not sticking it to any man. You will be electing a literal psychopath. So yeah. yes, oh, really? world war, no yeah. thanks to the two-party system, but don't be crazy. <laughs> Agree completely. Yes. Okay. And I have to know, um, I could probably make a whole other podcast on this and maybe I will. I don't know. It doesn't really, I mean, it doesn't fucking matter what I think, but ballerina farm. So she is, for those who don't know, eight days postpartum competed at Mrs. World. And listen, I'm a ballerina farm stan. Like, I fucking love her. I would go to bat. World peace, world peace, world I, yes, peace. I would go to bat <laughs> for ballerina farm. Hannah is like, I could watch her make fucking sourdough all day. I just adore her. I think she's amazing. Yeah, I just love her. Well, I told you this on TikTok, but I'll I'll say it for the folks here. So Hannah actually competed in the Miss New York organization. So for two years, I was first runner up to New York, and Hannah was second. Um, oh she God, always I know that she's always been. First of all, she's an incredible human. Um, we got along tremendously. We were very close friends throughout the process of competing, and I don't talk to her as much anymore, really at all. But it's been such a journey to see her life unfold. They are salt of the earth, good human beings. And I don't really understand why everyone's so upset with her. But if it's any consolation, like she's been a driven, you know, high achieving person 
for as long as I've known her. Yeah. And this, it fits right in. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. World peace. She literally went to Juilliard. Like, I'm just like, yeah, that makes total sense. She graduated Juilliard, like eight and a half months pregnant, did her senior dance performance solo fully about to have a child. I think his name, I think their oldest is Henry. So this, this should not surprise anyone who actually has known her or followed her. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. Yeah. I, I watched a video by, I don't know if you follow, um, Dr. Jen Sterling on TikTok or on Instagram. She's an OB and I love her content. Um, especially as like thinking about growing a family or, you know, starting a family, all the things, um, she's just super helpful in that regard, but she made a video about, you know, everybody was like all up in arms about Hannah's decision to compete at Mrs. World. She was what, eight, eight days postpartum or something. And this Dr. Sterling gets on Instagram and she's like, we have to let women be like the all encompassing versions of themselves. And we have to let them do things that are like soul things that they want to do, like things that will make their heart and their soul happy and their mental capacity, mental space happy after they give birth, regardless of if people think that it's quote safe or, you know, whatever physically. And I'm just like, you have like, you know, this perfectly healthy woman, by the way, like she's just insanely healthy. Like from, you know, she moves all the time. They live on a farm, all the things like, why are we, who are we to sit here and be like, no, you shouldn't be doing that. Like do whatever the fuck you want to do. But and- also who are we to tell anyone what they should and shouldn't be doing in their exactly. life? And I know a lot of the arguments yeah. that they are a brand and it's more than just her. And that's true. So if you know that and you have the media literacy to understand how social media works, yeah. you know, I, I too might want to put on a dress and some lashes and high <laughs> heels if I lived on a farm and had numerous children and animals. Yes. I might be like, this sounds like a a vacation and a great time. I don't know. Who knows? But let people live their lives. Totally. Yes, exactly. I completely agree. Oh, amazing. Um, Mallory, thank you so much for joining me and for being here and for sharing and all the things. Um, I just so appreciate it. And you are just a gem of a human being. Before we wrap up though, Tell everybody where they can find you, plug all your shit, TikTok, <laughs> Instagram, website. If you have services you provide, like any or all of the things that you want to share, please do so. Oh my gosh. Thank you. Well, thanks for having me. It's been really fun to catch up and, and see you not on a TikTok screen for a change. <laughs> Likewise. Um, if anyone cares about anything I'm doing, then I'm on Instagram and online at my website at itsmalloryhagen.com. And I think on TikTok, I'm it's Mallory H because I'm a millennial and I have met it's Mallory Hagen, but I can't log into it. So there we are. <laughs> um, yeah, that's where I met. Come say hi. And um, I still do some side coaching for the Miss America organization. So if folks want to get a little interview prep, figure out who they are and what they think, let's do it. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, if you want me to be the executive director of your nonprofit, holler at me. Perfect. Amazing. Thank you so much, Valerie. <laughs> Thank you.